This moment, do you truly believe that God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be? Do you? Good morning. It is good to see everyone here on this uh, beautiful hot day in Ohio in mid-August. Uh, actually, late August now, I guess. Uh, I'm sure many of you, uh, if you have any school-aged children or involved in the school system in any way, shape, or form, are back into that wonderful routine. And uh, some of the parents are excited, and some are sad, and uh, that's fine. Um, The reason I'm up here again this week, and by the way, those of you online, I want to welcome you as well. Uh, You know, my name is Jason Allison. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation at Press, and uh, I get to uh, share with you the the last part in this series. But the reason I'm up here instead of Sean is uh, I get the honor and privilege of introducing to you the newest Press member, uh, Ava Charlotte. She was born on Friday morning, the 27th. At 6.11 a.m., I think that's the earliest Sean has ever been up, Uh, she was uh, 7 pounds, 7 ounces, and 19 inches long, and uh, Sean actually called me right before the service because he just can't keep away from here and wanted to make sure everything was set, and I said, please hang up and go be with your baby. Uh, But he is doing great. Uh, Mom is doing absolutely wonderful. Baby is doing wonderful. And apparently Sienna uh, is totally smitten and will not uh, hand the baby over to mom unless absolutely has to. Uh, So they are all doing well, and we are so happy for them and and celebrate with them. Matter of fact, today, before we dive into the message, let's just take a minute and pray uh, for them and, and just the blessing that God has given. Father God, As we begin to open your word today, we acknowledge that you are the giver of life, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you have blessed the Press family, and specifically Sean and Bethany with this new life. We pray that you would watch over them, you would continue to guide them, you would continue to keep them healthy as they move forward. Thank you for just the beauty of all of this. We ask you now to... Protect this young life and and draw her to you, that she may know you, and that the family may be a blessing to everyone. Uh, We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are wrapping up our series that we are calling Dangerous Grace, and I was looking at some different things because our our idea is to be an influencer, and I thought, well, what is an influencer? Because that's, that's kind of a new thing, a new phenomenon in the world today is people are like paid to be influencers. Uh, and I don't know if you've 
I mean, some of you, maybe you had never heard that before, but an uh, influencer, especially in social media, is someone who kind of develops a reputation uh, for, for having knowledge or expertise or maybe just popularity in, in a certain area. And so when, when they do something, when they make a, a post or a tweet about a specific thing, it begins to trend. And I'm explaining this to those of you who are over 35 because I had to read it too. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> um, you know, it's, it's interesting the, the way this is going because these type people usually end up with a very large and energetic following. And, and so when they suggest something or put their name behind something, all of a sudden you can watch a trend begin. Um, I, I didn't realize this, but I thought, well, I wonder who the most influential people, uh, you know, in social media are. And uh, the, the, very, the very, very top, like way, way above, is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a Portuguese soccer player. He has 517 million followers in social media. I mean, that's more than the population of the United States, right? Like, he could run for president. Well, he can't because he's not American. But he could, if he could run for president, right, he, he would already have that many people following him. Uh, it's pretty amazing that... He makes one post, one tweet, and, and, you know, 500 million people hear it. Now, for those of you that are worried, in a close second at 455 million is Justin Bieber. For all of you believers or believe whatever that is, right, you know, it's okay. He's still out there. And then, of course, Ariana Grande and Selena Gomez both are with 429 and 425 million. So Disney did them well, apparently. Uh, they now have great influence in the world. But just think about that. To have the power to start a trend by simply making a tweet, by simply posting something on Insta or TikTok, that's amazing to me to think about. All summer long, uh, we have been here at Press talking through our mission, right? Our mission is to make a difference in this community. And, and we do this by pursuing God. And we talked about that in, in, uh, in, in June. We talked about what it means to, to pursue intimacy with God, to, to really have him with. We talked about then we do this through connecting with other believers, about being together, about what it means to build each other up, to encourage each other. But then now in, in August, we're, we're moving through this thing we're calling dangerous grace because we want to talk about what it means to be an influencer in the community around you, to influence unbelievers, right? We, we want the foundation of a, a solid relationship with God and a solid pursuing of him. But we also want the people around us so we have strength together to encourage each other, to build each other up. But then we also want, don't want to stay there in our nice little holy huddle, right? Where we just deal with each other and we just push everyone else away. No, no, no. We want others to be drawn into this. And to do that, we need to have influence. And, and we do this when, when we begin to offer the same grace that God offered us. And it's a dangerous grace because we know God offered it to us when we didn't deserve it. God offered it to us when we were still technically enemies of God. And so we have the opportunity, we have the ability, right, to abuse the grace that God has offered us. And yet, Scripture says very clearly, Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, right, we were still enemies, God showed his great love for us because he sent Christ to die while we were still working against him. 
we as followers of Christ have to reach that point where we are actually able to influence the people around us who might not believe like us, who might not be in agreement with everything that we are, who, who might actually use that grace against us at times. And so how do we do this? I mean, how do we create an environment where we can say, hey, you know what? We want to offer you this, and we want to make this a place where you can come and check out this thing called church, this thing called God, this relationship with him that we talk about. And I think for us to do that, for us to have a significant influence, and this is the big thing that I want you to understand, for us to have an influence with unbelievers, we must go from simply inviting people to investing in people. I mean, it's one thing to invite a bunch of people and say, hey, you should come, you should come, you should come. But when we get to the point where we are investing in others, then all of a sudden we gain credibility and influence. Because we begin to understand who they are, what they are going through, and we can connect with them where they're at. If we look at examples from the New Testament, if we look at Jesus, if we look at the disciples, if we look at the early church, you know, they were, they were far more interested in coming alongside people and investing in them and, and doing life with them to process and to understand what it means to, to follow Jesus, kind of like what I talked about last week, to create in yourself this Jesus-shaped story that you try to live out, this cruciform life, right, that is shaped by pursuing Christ. And they, they wanted to come around people and walk with people in that process. And I know we can look at passages like Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and he preaches to the multitude. And it says at the very end of that section that 3,000 people were added that day. And a lot of people stop there and say, see, all we got to do is create this big event, get a bunch of people there, make them say a prayer, and boom, we did it. But, but we missed the next verses. Because the next verses say, and they began to meet daily together, and they committed themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to prayer, and to the breaking of bread. They did life together then as they pursued this life with Jesus. And for us to have any influence in the world around us, we have to be willing to invest in the people around us. And to do that, I think we need to understand where people are at. We need to understand the questions that they're asking, the, the things that they're trying to comprehend. And, and I think throughout Scripture, it's pretty clear, and throughout history, it's pretty clear, that every human is trying to understand three questions in their life. They want to know, who am I? Which is a question of identity. right? They, they want to understand, who am I? What, what is it that makes me me? Their identity. They also want to know, where do I fit in? They want belonging. They need a place where they can discover who they are and then be who they are and be accepted and welcomed and loved and invested in. Where do I belong? And then the third thing that I think they're always looking for is why am I here? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? Am I just here to take up some air for a while? Or do I live because of a greater meaning or significance in life? Is there more than just eat, drink, and be merry? For tomorrow we die. See, if we're going to invest in people, and if the gospel, right, the, the word gospel is the good news, if it's really good news, then it, it needs to address those questions. 
And if it doesn't address those questions, and if we aren't in a place where we can help people pursue the answers to those questions, doesn't mean we always have the answer for them, but we are at least a place where they can, then you know what? It's not good news. There's nothing good about it. If we invite them in and say, believe this, and then we don't help them understand who they are, where they belong, or, or why they've been created. And so we need to understand how are we doing that. And if you look at Scripture, if you look at, at the New Testament, if you look at how Jesus operated, that's what Jesus did. He, he walked with people, and he helped them as they pursued these questions. And it's fascinating to me because Jesus didn't like walk up one day and say, all right, here's the answer to three questions, let's go. <laughs> it was a process. And, and the people had to discover it as they went. And they began to understand, and it started with a trusting in Jesus, that he would begin to work with them and to walk with them in this process. You know, have you ever thought about how the 12 disciples became the 12? And I know everyone's like, well, Jesus picked them. Yes. But have you ever really read, like, how that whole process happened? I mean, it wasn't like a bingo game where he had this thing and he pulled out 12 names, right? It, it wasn't, you know, they didn't do some, you know, acts of courageous, you know, whatever and have to accomplish this. There wasn't a test, you know, anything like that. It, it just, it was, it was interesting to see how Jesus went through this process. And, and you can read about at least snippets of it in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 5. And in each of these, you see at least the, the calling of the first disciples, I think it's fascinating that, you know, there are 12 disciples, and yet we really only hear the story of about five or six of them in how Jesus specifically met them. To me, I, I mean, honestly, I wish we knew exactly how Jesus met Judas Iscariot, right? I mean, that, that would seem to be at best a cautionary tale as to who not to invite to the party, and yet he did, and, and we, but we don't have any record. We have no idea. We just know that Jesus called him. And in this, this first few that he called, right, there's some interesting things, dynamics happening that I think can help us understand how we can move to invest in others and become an influence to the world around us. In Luke chapter 5, uh, Jesus is there, and I'll give you the quick context so you don't just see this one little verse. Uh, he had been teaching the multitudes. And the multitudes were pressing in, and it was getting to the point where he was afraid that he couldn't, you know, people couldn't hear him, whatever. And he's next to uh, the Sea of Galilee, so he sees Peter and, and uh, Andrew and then James and John, sees their boats, and they're not using them. And he asks if he can be in one of them, and he can push out just a little bit because the water kind of becomes its own sound system and amplifies, and people can see. And so he stands on this boat, and he teaches. And then he's done, and the people disperse. And he tells Peter and the other guys, he says, hey, let's, let's go fishing. This is one reason I like Jesus. He loved to go fishing. Uh, he says, and they, they look at him, and they're like, dude, we're professionals. We have been doing this all night, and we were mending our nets because now's not the time to fish. And quite honestly, we've been doing it all night. We've been mending our nets. We're a little tired, and you want us to go out again? He's like, yeah, just, just go out in the deeper water. Let's do this. And they're like, it, okay, but it, is, it ain't going to work. <laughs> 
So they go out, and you know the story. The nets are overflowing. The boats are sinking because there's so many. And, and, everybody, and Peter just is, is just amazed at everything going on. And, and here, I'll pick it up in verse 8. It says, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, if you just read that section, it sounds like this was the first time Peter had ever encountered this Jesus guy who borrows his boat, does a miracle, and then says, leave everything and follow me, and he just does. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody asked me to leave everything behind, my business, my family, all this stuff, and go follow him, I think I'd have some questions. I'd want to know a little bit about the plan as to what's going to happen. And yet, that's not what happens in this passage. But I I also want you to realize that there are a few other accounts of this. There's at least one other account that gives us even a little more backstory. And that's in the book of John, John chapter 1. And in that text, John kind of comes at it from another angle, and and I don't think he's telling the same story, but differently. I think he's giving us backstory of another time when things like when Jesus encountered Peter. Because it says in John chapter 1, starting in verse 40, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Now let me give you the context just to make sure we're all on the same page. John the Baptist was out. Jesus walked by him at some point, Earlier in John, you can read this. And John the Baptist points at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, he's the dude. Everything I've been talking about, him. And a couple of John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, leave John the Baptist and go follow Jesus. And one of those is Andrew, who turns out to be Peter's brother. So this wasn't just a random meeting right, and, and Luke, there, there was some history. There, there were things, there were connections that were happening over time. It, it goes on. It says, the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Those, that phrase right there, think about it. He brought him to Jesus. Now, this wasn't a random guy he met on the street. It was his brother. It was his business partner. It was the guy he spent hours and hours and hours with. He had credibility with him. He had invested in Peter. And so when he came and says, I found him, the one that all of Israel has been looking for for a thousand years, the Messiah, the one that God is sending, Peter's like, well, okay. (laughs) And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him at Peter. And he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Cephas, which being translated as Peter. In in English, we might have said, you'll be called Rocky, because the word means the rock. Now, what's interesting here is that Jesus specifically talks to him right there specifically you know, points out who he is, what he's going to be like. And, and in Luke chapter 5, we see that he, he gives him even meaning and purpose beyond that, right? He says, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to invest in you. And, and yet, he had 12. 
How did he come up with the 12? How did he know what to do? You know, how did he know that, oh, these are the guys? Because when we look at Scripture, we see there are various places. There were way more than 12 people following Jesus. There, there were way more. At one point, he sends out 70 to go talk about him in the, land, in the cities that he was going to be visiting, kind of the, the, the pre-marketing crowd, right? They went out and they, they laid the foundation. Hey, Jesus is coming. This is what we're going to talk about. He's going to be here on this day. And so they show up. So he had at least 70 that we know of there. Later in the book of Acts, right there in the Acts chapter 1, there's, there's 120 of them in the upper room. So it wasn't just the 12. There were a bunch of people. And yet Jesus specifically identified 12 that he would invest in, that he would spend time with to prepare them to send them on a mission. And how did he fix, how did he figure out the 12. Well, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. So he had a whole bunch of people following him who were disciples, who were learners, who were people who were learning what he was teaching. They were following his teachings. And yet he picked 12 and he gave them the, the name apostles, which means those who he was sending on his behalf to carry his message. And so we invest specifically in those 12. He invested in them. And it's interesting when you think about his interaction with Peter as just an example, as a micro, right, uh, example of what he did with all of them. He answered the three questions that everyone is asking. Right? He looked at Peter and he told him and then he reinforced it over time. He said, you know, let me tell you who you are. Right? They call you Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter, the rock. Because I want you to know who you are. I want you to see that not only are you one that I've loved, that I've sacrificed for, that I've invested in, that I care about deeply, I'm going to tell you that you belong to me. You belong to the family of God. You have a place here. You are important. You are special. And you belong. And then I'm going to send you on a mission. It's not just that. I'm going to give you something to do. I'm going to make you a fisher of men, right? A, a fisher of people. I'm going to give you a job to take this message that I'm giving you and then go and share it with the people around you. See, if we're going to make a difference in our community, then we have to also take the time to invest in the people around us if we are going to have any influence in them at all. We have to earn the right to walk with them as they search for these things. Now, again, it doesn't mean I have to have it all figured out so that I can tell them exactly what they need to know. Instead, it's, I have to be willing to walk with them as I'm also on this journey. And we have to make this, right, the press community, a place 
where they can come and explore these questions. And that's why we call the series Dangerous Grace, because that means inviting people in who may not believe like us, who may not think the same things as us, who may look different than us, and giving them the grace to say, listen, you're welcome here, because we're pursuing these questions. And sometimes I... I may run into people who, who come here and they're going to say, we want this, we want this, and we want And they're not going to be the type of person, right, that I would naturally hang out with. But that doesn't matter because the point is to invest in each person and make this a space where they can pursue those questions. They can pursue what it means to belong, to understand who they are, and to understand why they are here. I mean, that's, that's why what we have to offer is good news. It, it, it's not just news. It's good news. But for someone to want to come and to be part of it, we have to make sure that we are helping them in the process and we are giving them room to explore these things. And, and as we walk with them, we're willing to stand beside them through the ups and the downs. So really, it begs the question, in its simplest form, who are you investing in? Who, who are you walking with, coming alongside in this process? Not so that you can find someone and make sure they have all the right doctrines or they believe exactly the right way or they think just like you. That, that's not the point. The point is to walk with them and help them connect with God. Who are you investing in? And, and we've shared this multiple times, and this I'm going to do it one last time before we, uh, you know, maybe you won't hear this as much out loud in, in the big room, but I want you to hear this. We, we use a, the little tool that helps us think through this. We call it Press 5. And it's really simple. It, it, each letter stands for something, right? Because I'm a pastor. we got to have an acronym of some kind going. Um, P, pray. Pray for God to send into your life five people that you can invest in. Not 50, not 5,000, five. And say, God, I just, just show me these people. I mean, Jesus prayed all night, right? He went away and he prayed and fasted all night before coming and investing in the 12 that he did. Are we spending any time praying about this? The letter R stands for reach, reach out. Praying about it's nice, but then you gotta actually reach out to the person. You can't wait for him to, to reach out to you. E, eat with him. I love this one. Well, I love to eat. <laughs> uh, but I mean, share a meal with people. Relax. Be together. Enjoy each other's company. Get to know them. You, you share a meal with someone. You get to know them. And then ask, serve. Find out where they're at and serve them. Maybe it's taking a meal to them because they need it. Maybe it's just a phone call. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's you know, showing up to help them uh, rake leaves, mow, do yard work. I don't know what it is. Serve them. And then last of all, share. Share your story. Say, listen, I, I, I just want you to know I'm seeking the same things you are. I'm, I'm belonging and identity and purpose. I, I need those things in my life too. Can I just share with you how Jesus answered those for me? 
And, and I don't have it all figured out, but I can at least tell you where I'm at. And, and maybe if you want to check that out, we, we, could, we could walk together through that. But that's the last thing. That's after you've already listened. That's after you've already established a relationship with them. After you've already served them. Then you share your story. And it's, again, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have, you know, a nice, neat little presentation with PowerPoint slides and everything that have all the doctrines. No, 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 no. It's just, let me just tell you what Jesus did for me. And if you'd like to pursue that, I'll walk with you. That's what it means to have influence. And if we are going to be a church that actually makes a difference in our community, then we need to be willing to invest in the people around us. We can't wait for them to stumble in the door. We have to be reaching out to them. Now, on the night that Jesus was betrayed by one of the 12, dangerous grace, sometimes they, they turn on you, he, uh, he, he instituted this thing that we call communion because he wanted you to remember that it's not just about having all the right answers. It's about walking with him. It's about experiencing that together. It's about remembering the big picture that Jesus died for us. And, and, and we have to just keep coming back to that. And so on the night he was betrayed, he, he took this thing, this this cracker and, and this grape juice okay let's be honest it was wine all right it, it was it was wine he took wine and he took grape juice in the midst of this passover meal and, and he said i want you to remember the main thing my blood and my body it's broken for you shed for you everything else yeah we'll figure it out but the main thing is whatever you do remember this my body and my blood for you. If you remember that, the rest will fall into place. And he said, now I want you to do this every time you get together, right? Every time that you, you need this remembrance, every time you start to forget, take this and it'll remind you. You may not have all the right answers all the time about everything, but you can at least know this and remember this. And, and when we take this, we, it, it reminds us who we are. We are ones loved by God. We are ones who God loves so much. He sent a son for us. We are part of his family. And at the table, it's metaphorical, I know, but at the table, we are welcome here. We are family. We belong. And we have purpose to take the grace that we have been shown and share it with others. And every time that we do this, it reminds people of that. And, and so if you uh, didn't get a chance to get, grab your elements, or if you're watching online and you want to grab whatever is close, uh, feel free. There's some right out on the other side of the curtain there if you didn't. Uh, if not, that's, that's fine. But Jesus said for us to do that. And, and it's interesting because then later in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about celebrating this as a church together. And he says, listen, every time you do this, you are, you are reenacting, so to speak, the, the sacrifice that Christ made. But he said, before you do it, you should take some time to at least evaluate where you're at. Evaluate what's going on. Don't just take it quickly and move on. Don't just, you know, think of it as this passing little thing we do and forget about it, but to actually stop. And so I want to take just a second and give us a chance to reflect. 
And to say, God, I need to hear again what your grace has done in my life. So just take a minute and just ask God to remind you of his grace and his love. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he did take the bread and he broke it. And so let's take our our little wafer. Just remember, this is Jesus' body broken for you. He also took the cup. And he told each of them to drink from it because every time they did, it would remind them of the blood that he was going to shed on their behalf. And by doing this, they would proclaim that he's coming back. He won't leave us here. Because his blood washes us clean, so we are made right with God. Let's take the juice together. Father, I thank you that you are part of this this gathering. Uh, You you are here with us. And we we are your children. We belong here. We have a place here. And the sacrifice that Jesus made secured that. Help us to share that, to make space for people who aren't here yet, to create room for those who are trying to figure out who they are, where they belong, and why they exist. Lord, bring those people into our lives because we have a message, a message that is worth sharing, and you gave it to us because you gave us grace. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing?